0: With uh, deciding what to teach this week, and I just will tell you this much: after wrestling over it, I had several different passages I wanted to go to, and uh, one of the ones I went to was the book of First John. And uh, with First John, I was—I uh, have—I had a, a lesson that I did several years ago at another place, and it was a long, drawn-out lesson. And my wife I was telling my wife about. It. She said, "I don't know about that idea," you know. That's an awful lot of material to try to pack into just a little bit of time. So I said, you know, I'm just going to break it up, and uh, whenever I get the opportunity to teach in here, I'm just going to try to work through First John and try to. I don't have any idea. Four
1: or five weeks. (laughs) I don't know.
0: (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, but I wanted to study on First First John, and if you would turn over to the book of First John, and um, over there, right before Revelation and Second, Third John and Jude, but um, we are going to look at those few verses there. John chapter one, and I tell you what—I think I've gotten too used to dialing up verses on my phone and computer to where <laughs> it's hard to do. All right, First John. Chapter one and I want to read the first four verses there and then we're going to start in with a word of prayer. But uh first four verses first John chapter one verse one that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested and we have seen it, and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen, verse 3, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. So I want to go into the study of the book of 1 John, and before we hop in here and kind of give some introduction, let's bow and have a word of prayer and ask God to bless our time this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your house today, Lord. And we're grateful on this Memorial Day weekend that we're in a country where we have the freedom to meet and come together and learn the Bible and study and and know more about you. And Lord, I pray that you'd please be with us today, Lord. Be with me as I teach. Be with each one of us as we listen. And Lord, may we learn more about you and have a closer and uh, sweeter relationship with you as a result of being here at church today. And Lord, I pray that you would please be with us and help us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so 1 John, and before we jump in here and start looking through some of these verses, what I want to do is take a minute and uh, give you some background about what the book of 1 John is. And There's some interesting little things that we can know that are kind of informative to us. But uh, the first thing, have you ever heard this before, and I've done this too, you take someone who's a new believer or someone who's freshly dedicated their life to the Lord and you say, hey, if you want to start reading the Bible, one of the first books you hear people say you ought to read this book. Does anybody know? John. John. All right. They'd say to read the book of John. And of course, one thing that's interesting about the book of 1 John is if you look and compare the Gospel of John to the book, to the list, the, the epistle, the letter of John. What you see is that there's a lot of similarities between them, and I don't know how it was. Uh, when I, was in, I remember years ago in high school, we'd have to literature class. We'd have to read these long, like Macbeth or something like that. And of course, I had my friends. They get these little things called cliff notes. You ever seen those? Cliff, the little short versions of books where you don't have to read the whole book, but you can read it and just get the idea. Well, you can kind of think of First John as like cliff notes to the Gospel of John. Because there's so many themes and so many principles and things that the apostle John writes about in John that he carries over into the book of 1 John, which leads us to another thing. If you read a lot of the, uh, the, uh, the letters of, of Paul, he'll identify himself, said I, Paul, to the church at so-and-so, or Peter even Peter to the churches scattered here and there. But this book, 1 John, nowhere in the letter, nowhere in the book does it tell us who wrote it. And so we, and you could say in a sense, it's an educated guess to say that the Apostle John wrote the book of 1 John, but when you start looking at it and see the similarities between them, it's almost overwhelmingly says, hey, this is John the Apostle writing this letter. And the next thing we know is this as well, is that a lot of times Paul, when he'd write his letters, he'd say this is the letter to this church, to the Romans, to the Corinthians. To, to the Ephesians, to the, to the Church of Philippi, all these different places. But this letter is not addressed to anybody. So this is kind of a circular letter that, that the Apostle John wrote that they pass around from church to church to church. So all of the information that we find in this book was meant for all Christians everywhere. And again, at all times too, because we still have it today as part of the Word of God. And we're here with it, and we, and, and we have the ability to learn and see what John had to say and the importance of what he had to say. And again, I was talking about there's a lot of similarities between the Gospel of John and 1 John, uh, and some of the themes that we see there. In fact, take keep your finger there at 1 John, and turn over to the book of John for just a minute. And there are several themes that we find all throughout the book of 1 John that we find in John. So, over John chapter 1, and... Uh, give you three basic things that we see here, John chapter 1, and uh, let us I want to read verse 1 there, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, the same was in the beginning with God, all things, verse 3, were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made, and here's one of the big things, verse 4, in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. So we see the idea and the concept of life that we can have through Jesus throughout the book of 1 John, just like we see at the opening chapter of the Gospel of John. The second theme that we see here is we see the theme of the light. Verse number 5 says there, And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended is not. So as you go through the book of 1 John, you'll see him talking about light, And darkness. You'll be to see him talking about life. So some of the we'll see those themes. And of course, I'm not even going to turn there. One of the big things, in fact, there's at least two chapters of the book of first John that contains a lot of information about this. In John 3 16, what is that verse? Everybody should know it. Let's say it together. For God so loved the world. All right. So love is a very big theme that we just like we see in the book uh in the in the in the gospel of john we see in the book of first john we see the life the light and the love and we'll see those things throughout this throughout the book of first john now another thing too you ever sat down and read something before and as you're reading it not the bible but something outside of the bible you're reading it like what point is this person this author trying to make what, you ever read something confusing like that? For what, What's the point they're trying to get at? Well, one thing I like about the book of 1 John is there are four places inside the book of 1 John. And again, this is a matter of way of introduction. Inside of the book of 1 John, where he tells you, hey, this is why I wrote this book. He said, these things have I written unto you because. So real quickly, as a matter of introduction, what I like to do is look at these four times that he talks about where he gives the reasons why he wrote it, And the first one of these we find in uh, chapter 1 and verse number 4, which we read just a moment ago. John chapter 1. I didn't leave my finger there, but I'll get there quickly. First John chapter chapter 1 verse 4, he says, And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. So one of the reasons he wrote this was he said, look, all of you Christians that read this from all these different churches that these, this letter is going to make it to throughout the course of time, he says, I write these things to you that your joy can be full. Now, I'm going to get into that in a moment when we start looking through chapter 1. But that is one of the primary reasons why he gave, why he wrote this book. Also, turn over to the, book of, uh, to, to the same book, 1 John, we're in there, chapter 2 and verse 1. And we see the second reason why he gave us is the reason why he wrote the book of 1 John. And 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, My little children, these things write unto you that ye sin not. So not only did he write this book so that our joy could be full, but he wrote this book, he wrote it so that it could keep us from sin. We live in a sinful, evil world. In fact, you get further down in chapter two, and we'll get to it at another time, where he talks about the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. He says, "Look, I'm writing this book to keep you from sin, to keep you, uh, help you have a the kind of testimony that you need to have as a Christian to keep you from sin." And further down in that in that chapter, verse number 26, we see the third reason why he says these things. I've written unto you. Chapter 2 and verse, um, well, I have lost my place here. You ever, don't you hate that when you write something down, it's the wrong reference? All right, let me see here. It would be helpful if I was in chapter 2, that would help. All right, first, chapter 2, verse 26. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you, but uh, but the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not then any man teach you. So he says, the third reason I wrote this was, is to warn you about seducers, to warn you about people who profess and claim to know Christ, but really by their deeds and their way of life, they deny him. In many cases, they never knew him, all right? So he says, I'm writing, considering seducers that will try to pull you away from your, your love and your devotion to the, to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the last thing, and this is probably the most common thing that I've heard over the years when people talk about 1 John, is uh, chapter 5 and verse 13. And I can tell you many times when I've shared the gospel with people and wanted to give them a sense of assurance, I use 1 John five thirteen. And let's read it. It says, These things have I written unto you that I believe in the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. So the Apostle John's saying, I want you to have joy. I want you to stay away from sin. I want to warn you about seducers. And I want you to have the assurance, based upon the things I've written here, that you have eternal life, that Jesus Christ is your Savior, and that your life is living out that new life, that new birth that we've had through Jesus Christ. And uh, I think that's important. And a lot of times when I would use this verse, i just talk about the verses around it. About believing, which that's good but I think in context what he's saying here kind of towards the end of this book he said look overarching all of these things reasons I've written for this entire book all five chapters I want you to know that you have eternal life and this book is filled with test after test of ways to show if you're a child of God if you know God then you'll see this in your life not perfectly but you'll see this if you're not then it's going to look this way and all throughout this book, is I'm giving this to you so that you can be assured and know that you have eternal life. So those are the four reasons. We see the themes of the life, the light, and the love throughout here. We see the reasons of having full joy and of staying away from sin and of being warned against seducers and knowing that you have eternal life. And with that, let's start looking, digging here right in the first verse of chapter 1. And uh In chapter 1, I think there's basically three sections here that we could look at as we start looking through this chapter. I think you have with the first four verses is you see the authentication, all right, and I'll explain that more in a minute. The second part that we see is the announcement, verses 5 through 7, and uh, the admission, which is verses 8 through 10. But I want to start... Today, with the authentication in verses 1 through 4, and so let's look at 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 1. Would anybody like to read that for us? Anybody? That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled in the word of life. Alright, so that's the first verse, yeah, just the first verse there. And uh, I want you to know some important things about this verse. And I'd like to take, this verse I kind of think gives us the author's testimony, okay? The author's testimony. And it says there, what I'm going to tell you, he's telling us, why I'm going to tell you in this book, he said, these are things that we've shared from the beginning. So, the question is this, when he says from the beginning, what is he talking about? Well, if you don't turn there, but if you look at Book of Mark, chapter one and verse one, the introduction to the book of Mark, it says they're the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I believe when it says the beginning here is talking about that time when the gospel of Jesus Christ began to be shared. And another reason for that is I don't know if you remember the story after Jesus was crucified and he rose again and ascended back to heaven, and the disciples were there in the upper room, and instead of being twelve, there were now eleven. And they look for someone to replace Judas. And they say, well, we want to find somebody to replace Judas. And the candidates have to be someone who have been with us all the way from the baptism of John. So I think we said, listen, what I'm communicating here to are things that I have known, things that we have known, the other apostles have known. We have known this from the beginning, from the day that Jesus Christ was revealed from his baptism, from the God, the, the, when when John was preaching his gospel, all the way through this time, this is the beginning. That's what I am telling you here. This is what's important. And here is a wonderful thing about this. And sometimes this makes me kind of, in a sense, kind of jealous of those early Christians who were there, or were actually able to, to to see Jesus in his early ministry. But he tells us several things here. He says that which we have heard from the beginning, which was from the beginning, which we have heard. The things he's talking about in this book are things that he heard. Some important things that he heard. And and not only besides that, there are also things that that he's seen with their eyes. These things that I'm writing about in this book, see these are things I've seen with my eyes. Things I've I've beheld myself, I've seen them. And then, oddly enough, in the next part it says we've seen with our eyes, we've looked upon, and that word looked upon there means more of the idea of something that you've not just looked at, but you've studied it and you know it personally and intimately. And I was trying to think of a good illustration for this. I remember uh, years ago when me and my wife were first married. I'm not going to embarrass you, dear, I promise. But so when we first got married, there were two two or three movies that chick flicks, I have to admit, that we watched over and over and over and over again. And I loved it every time. (laughs) <laughs> but you know you walk and say hey have you seen such and such as a movie and say yeah but have you seen it i mean it's so much bad to the point that we're being we be somewhere in a crowded room with of people and somebody can say a phrase that came that was part of the the, the dialogue in that movie and we automatically have a connective <laughs> yeah we got to remember about that that's kind of they said look we've not just seen what I, he said I've, I've just not seen what i'm talking about here I have studied it. I have been with it. I, have, I know it inside and out. I know this. And then the next part says, not only that, it says our hands have handled. I've actually felt and touched and know these things. And, and, and as we're talking about this, what is it that he's talking about that he's, that he's heard, that he's seen, that he's looked upon and he's handled? And it says there, of the word of life. So this book isn't about something that he knew, it was about someone that he knew, and that person was the Word of Life. John chapter 1 verse 1, we read back over in the Gospel of John, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So what was it that he saw He saw the living Word of God. He saw the Lord Jesus Christ. He had first-hand knowledge. This wasn't rumor. This wasn't hearsay. This wasn't something that just made its way down to him. He had first-hand knowledge. He knew. He knew the Word of life. Now, let's keep going. Let's look at the second verse and where he takes and he expands a little bit more. But uh, in verse number 2, if someone would like to read that for us, just... Go ahead and start, whoever it might be. Any checkers? All right, I'll read it. Verse 2. For the life, the word of life, the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. So he says, look. I know the word of life, and I know the life that comes through his name. He said, because it was revealed. Now, first of all, I said, look, Jesus came. He revealed himself to all of Israel. And through the preaching of the apostles, after his death, resurrection, and ascension, it spread throughout the world. He was announced to the world. But here's what he says. It was manifested. The life was manifested. We saw him. We spread the news about him. He made himself known, but he just didn't make himself known. Generally, to everyone, the last part of that verse says, "Which was manifested unto us." He said, "God decided specifically to reveal this intimate knowledge we have about the Word of Life, the Lord Jesus Christ. He chose to reveal that to us. We got to see it. We got to t- we got to handle it. We got to. Could you imagine what it'd be like to see the Lord Jesus Christ and be close enough and know Him enough?" To where like John did, it talks about he'd sit next to Jesus, and just lean up to Jesus. I could see him with his arm around Jesus or giving Jesus a hug and just being there with him. Could you imagine that? And that's what he said. It was revealed to us. And here's a great thing. The middle part of that verse there, it says, and show unto you that eternal life. He said this life. This person that we knew wasn't just someone who was locked into space and time, who was a person just like you and me, but this is a person whose life was eternal. Which again goes back to the Gospel of John where it talks about how that, and the Word was made flesh, verse 18, and dwelt among us, and we we saw the the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So this eternal life that was with God in heaven, this eternal life, came down and was made known to us but not just generally to people but made known specifically to us and aren't you glad that even now today although we've not physically seen the Lord Jesus we still know him and he has still shown that life that eternal life he's shown it to us what a privilege we have that God would do that for us it's such a wonderful thing yes sir Yes? You know, we were there with them. hmm Like, normally, you couldn't touch life. Right. Right? That's kind of abstract or whatever, but since Jesus Christ, like, personify life? Well, I think it, said, it tells us there the fact that it talks about it this way. It says they handled of uh, the word of life. The word was made flesh. So they weren't physically touching necessarily at that point. The life of Jesus... But they were touching Jesus, who was the Word, and in Him was the life. And it talks about that in 1 John chapter 5, too. It talks about the, the life is in Jesus, and he, he who has the Son has life. So, yeah, I, I do believe it's talking about the very person of the Lord Jesus Christ when, he, when they're talking about that there. I do. That's a good question. Uh, let's look now at uh, verse number 3. Let me keep my time here. Verse number 3. And uh, this was a big verse for me when I was in study it, but uh, I'm going to read verse 3 real quick. It says, That which we have seen... And heard, again referring to what he's talking about, verses 1 and 2. Declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So the Apostle Paul, excuse me, Apostle John, Paul wrote so many epistles it's hard to keep them straight sometimes. But Apostle John wrote this, when he wrote this, what he's saying, look. These things have been revealed to us that we know firsthand. He said, "I'm going to declare these things unto you. I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to keep it to myself. Our little group of apostles over here, and you know, maybe people at that first church of Jerusalem. We're not going to keep it to ourselves. We're going to declare it unto you. And like I said, this verse was a circular letter was given out to all the churches. Look, I want to declare these things to everyone. And here's the thing: is a one a very important word that's used several times inside of this. And that word is the word, in verse number three, the word fellowship. Now, a lot of times we read through the Bible, it's easy, especially if you're in the habit of reading your Bible or trying to get through it uh, in a course of time over, over, you know, reading through the Bible. Sometimes it's easy to read through verses and kind of skip over things that, you know, if you took a moment to study them, are significant. And I think this word fellowship is one of those things. And to help kind of establish what they're trying to say here, what I'd like to do is let's turn over to the book of Ephesians. I think the Apostle Paul, this time it is the Apostle Paul, gives us some good insights into this idea of fellowship that the Apostle John's talking about here over in verse 3 of uh, 1 John chapter 1. But Ephesians chapter 3, and uh, actually I don't want to start in the first verse. So I want to go jump down a little bit. All right, and let's see here. Let's look at verse number nine. And he's talking about this idea of fellowship, okay? And fellowship, just to give you an idea of what the bare meaning of it is, fellowship, it means communion. It means uh, personal knowledge. It means uh, having a a personal relationship with someone. That's just the bare definition of it. But look at Ephesians chapter three and verse nine. He's talking about this idea of fellowship here. He says, and to make all men see... What is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ? So he said, the Paul said, look, this idea of fellowship, it is a mystery. At least it was. This idea of fellowship, of having relationship with the God of the universe and with the Son, Jesus Christ, there's a mystery involved in this. So what is this mystery? What is this mystery of fellowship that we can spend? What is the what was the mystery behind that? Well, let's back up to verse number two in Ephesians uh, chapter three, and it says there, "How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when ye read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ." So this mystery of fellowship, he said, "Look, it's a mystery, but guess what? I've revealed it to you now." God has revealed it to you through the gospel, through me. In verse 4 says, um, excuse me, verse 5, Which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. And here's the mystery. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise to Christ by the gospel. So what is that mystery? You know, before Jesus came into this world, all of God's knowledge, all of God's wisdom, he only gave to one group of people. And does anybody know what was that group of people? The Jews, the nation of Israel. And he said, listen to this. This is the mystery that those prophets did not understand yet in the Old Testament, this fellowship that we can have is not just limited to the Jews and to Israel, but because of Jesus Christ, because of his death, burial, and resurrection, because of what he's done for us, this mystery, this fellowship that God wants to have is open to everyone. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or if you're a Gentile. It makes no difference. It's open to everyone. You. it is the fellowship that we can have with the god with and with the lord Jesus Christ what we can do with him I'm gonna tell you that is a privilege that we have a mystery that wasn't known before this time before Jesus came and revealed it to to his apostles and now re- reveals it to us through his word and i like to take it this way just an illustration here um like I'll just go back in your mind think about maybe when you First became interested in your wives okay? And I don't know. I was always kind of nervous about you know the whole dating and all that kind of stuff. But you know how it is sometimes. You have like for me, you have this 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 girl, which was ended up being my lovely wife. That she's like, man, I just want to. I want to have fellowship with her. I just, I just, I want to have fellowship with her. That's just what I want to do. But you're too afraid to go up and just talk to her yourself. You see the line I'm going here? Like, oh my goodness, Uh, I could never just walk up to her and talk to her. I mean, I just couldn't do that. So what do you do? Well, let me see. who are her friends that I'm not so intimidated by, and let me go establish some fellowship with these friends of hers, then hopefully I can get around and work my way back around so I can have some fellowship with her. It could go somewhere. All right? But that's not what Apostle John's saying here. He's saying, look, I'm here, the apostles and the prophets. We physically saw Jesus. We physically knew who He was. We heard Him. We touched Him. We saw Him. We had fellowship with Him. Guess what? You don't have to have fellowship with our little clique to have fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's part of our fellowship. And the same fellowship that we have with Jesus Christ, you can have it. Listen to this. I know we've not seen Jesus and someday uh, we should be, the Bible says we should be looking and longing for his appearing. But this fellowship that that the Apostle John is talking about here, this fellowship, we can know God directly. We don't have to have another person to try to teach us and show us another. We can know him personally. We can know him ourselves. We can know him just as as freely and just as in a, in, a, in a vital way and in a in a living way. We can know him in the same way in our spirit that they knew him. Those apostles, God bless them. God used them. He was what God used to get the gospel to the world. But we have just as free and just as as, as wonderful access to having fellowship. With Jesus Christ and with the Father ourselves today. Which leads me to verse number four that I think really, really kind of sums up this first section of, of, the, of the book of John. Notice we did in the verse four it says And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. He said, Look! Yes, we've seen Jesus. Yes, we heard Jesus. Yes, we had intimate fellowship with Jesus. But your joy should be this. Because of what He did, you can have that fellowship too. And that should be the source of our joy as Christians. Listen, we get to know the very God of the universe. We get to know Him. We can know Him and that is where our joy should come from. These things, and I think of other things in the book will bring that we as we go through the book of 1 John that bring us joy. Yes, but primarily is that we can know him. The Apostle Paul said this: that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship, fellowship of his suffering, there's the word fellowship again, being made conformable to his death. He said, I want to know Jesus inside and out and because of the Spirit of God that we have living in Him and the Word of God He's given to us, we can have that kind of wonderful fellowship with the Father. Doesn't that bring you joy this morning? It does that we can know Him. Listen, that's why it's important, and I know we all struggle with it. It's important to try it and spend time every single day in fellowship with Jesus, in fellowship with Him through His Word. In fellowship with Him through prayer. In fellowship with Him by sharing His Word with others. That's where our joy should be. Now, I would like to take one more point here as we study through here. And I'll look at another. Let's back up to verse number 3 for just a minute. I wasn't sure I was going to have time to get to this, but I am. That's wonderful. Uh, John chap. First John. In fact, I'm over in Peter again. Let me get out of Peter. First John <clears throat> chapter 1 and verse 3. And look at the last part of the verse. It says, truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, as we get further into the book of John, we'll see this, is that he makes some pronouncements in there. He says, look, he that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And it talks about Him being the... the he that has the Son, chapter 5, talks about he that has the Son hath light. Now listen, that title, that designation of Jesus as the Son of God is a very important thing. Because there are other cults, I will call them, who've taken, twisted and changed the Bible to mean things that what it doesn't say. They say, well, we believe that Jesus Christ is, we believe He's the Lord and the Savior and He's the King, but there's one part they leave off. They don't believe that He's God. Of course, we saw in John chapter 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. If you like, for instance, the Jehovah's Witnesses. In fact, I just noticed there's this is a Jehovah's Witness church right up on the hill as you head in Diane over there. They've changed that verse. <laughs> they say, well, the Word was a God. They're not saying He's very God. So this title of the Son of Jesus Christ is an important thing for us to know. And the reason for that, turn to the book of Hebrews. So confessing that Jesus as the Son is not just confessing He's Lord and Savior and King. It also includes God. Hebrews... <clears throat> get through here myself hebrews (coughs) chapter one and one thing that's amazing uh a lot of times the 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 authors that god used to give us the new testament they use a lot of references from the old testament well you think about it this way uh when they when when jesus first rose to heaven what was the only scriptures that the believers had all that was the old testament so that's where they've grounded their theology from and learned it here. But Hebrews chapter 1 and verse number 8, and here's what, here's what the Bible says, and this is a quotation directly from Psalms chapter 45, verses 6 and 7. But here in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness, is the scepter of thy kingdom, thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity, and therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellow, fellows. So when Jesus, when when the Bible uses the term to turn talking about Jesus as the Son, he's saying, What son is this? The Son to whom the Father said, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. So when we see later, and we'll get the we study on in there, we'll look later in the book. When we see them saying confessing that the Son has come in the flesh, what the reader says, you're confessing that the one, O oh God, who is the Son, Thy throne, O oh God, has come down and revealed Himself into us, the Word of Life, Jesus Christ. And again, like I said before, the greatest joy that we can have is knowing that we have fellowship. Not with Jesus, not with the, just with the Father and just with the Son. We're saying Jesus, well, He was Lord, Savior, and King, but the Son of God who was God. And then we read another verse a moment ago in Ephesians, talking about how this is, by Jesus Christ, God created the world. It's God that we have fellowship with in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that is. I'm going to stop right there for today.